my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brady Leonard. Great show for you today. I was joined by Remso Martinez, journalist and author of the new book, Stay Away from the Libertarians. Uh, it was a great chat with uh, with Remso. Uh, yeah, I've, I've checked. He used to host a show called the Remso Republic, and I checked it out a couple times. And we're kind of in the same like podcast circle. You know, I see him all the time on Twitter, and you know, we've we've interviewed similar people, and I, you know seems like we've kind of been in the same circle for a while, but I've never talked to the guy. I've never met him before, and uh, I've never had the pleasure of talking to him before today. But uh, it was a good chat. I think you guys will really enjoy it, and I'll definitely have him on soon. Before we get to Remso, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and want to quit, or if you already vape, you have to check out Premier Vapor at PremierVaporAndLounge.com. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. Uh, all their stuff is FDA compliant. They have any kind of battery, mod, tank, coil, anything you need. Get all of your vaping needs met at PremierVaporAndLounge.com. If you're in Northwest Ohio or you're traveling through the area, check them out in person in Perrysburg or Holland, Ohio. If not, PremierVaporAndLounge.com. Free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. They really are the best. You have to check these guys out. Stop smoking. Start vaping. It's way better for you. Don't die young people. And uh, guys, if you, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, two shows a week, Monday and Wednesday. The content is always free. We're never going to charge you guys for it. But if you want to contribute, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. There's really cool incentives if you choose to do so. So yeah, great show, great show, and another great show on Wednesday. Um, the, I, I'm recording this on on Sunday actually. This show will be up a little early, and and Wednesday's, Wednesday's show I actually recorded on Friday night. It's a very special episode 100 slash Fourth of July celebratory show that'll be coming out on Wednesday. Uh, man, yeah, I did four podcasts this week. I'm on vacation uh, Monday through Friday, so I I'm out. I had to pre-record both shows. Um, so if I, I'm sorry if I'm not covering completely up-to-date news, but, uh, I'm on vacation as you're listening to this. I'm in Tennessee on vacation, fishing and hanging out, all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, four, I've recorded four shows in seven days, which is pretty crazy. Mad props to all the people that do, uh, daily shows. I don't know how they do it. It's a lot of work. So it's, it's a lot more work than it sounds like. But, uh, anyway, without further ado, here is my chat with Remsar Martinez. All right, guys, we're here with Remso Martinez, formerly the host of the Remso Republic podcast and the author of the brand new book, Stay Away from the Libertarians. Remso, thanks for coming on, my friend. Dude, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with the book. Uh, Tell us about it. Why is, why is this book a must-read, and what inspired you to put all this ridiculous amount of work into writing this book? 
Because I wrote it, so instantly people should love it. No, um, right, it, right. It, it was it was getting to a point where you know there's always those questions that we ask where everyone has the same question at some point. You know, why is this this way? Who? Why is that person doing this? The question I constantly got through my years involved in politics and journalism and all that jazz was constantly, why are people told to stay away from the libertarians? And why is this radical notion that you can own yourself and it's not okay to hurt people and take their stuff seen as such a you know tremendously insane thing so you know you start to meet talk to people on the right and they tell you that uh libertarians are a bunch of open borders anarchists dope smoking hippies and you talk to people on the left and we're a bunch of robber barons that want to go ahead and shove kids back in coal mines none of that's true <laughs> and we've allowed uh, you know, the fake stream media, establishment politicians and lazy academics to go ahead and basically tell our story. So you go ahead and you look and some people have covered this topic in shows and interviews and stuff before, but they never really, you know, they, they always just barely scratch the surface. It was always like a couple words. And then it's like, oh, well, you know why? And it's like, oh, we're just right. all supposed to understand. Oh, yeah, it's uh, right. well, of course, you know, the answer It's obvious. And then when you go ahead and look at libertarian books, for example, because I wanted to find the answer to this but i wanted a more long form answer um there there is no there there is no answer to it everything is a new libertarian manifesto or introduction to liberty and all that stuff so what i saw was this giant hole nobody's ever been able to actually answer it and as i began to answer the question myself um it became less of a okay well let, let me just give you my general thesis and give you an answer i kind of had to tell people you know why does someone become a libertarian in the first place so the best way to do that was to kind of you know discuss the liberty movement, the type of people involved, and to also kind of tell my story in it. And as I did that, I found myself, you know, debunking these myth, lies, and misconceptions as I went along the book. So uh, this is the only book that really attacks the, you know, the, the attacks on libertarians, while at the same time just trying to tell you, listen, libertarians are not the monster under your bed or the guy that's going to chase you shooting laser beams out of his eyes. Um, libertarians are your friends. They're your neighbors. They're your family sometimes. They're the the post office guy like libertarians are just normal everyday people that just don't want to hurt people use the force of the state to take their stuff and they want you to live your own life as long as you don't force others to via violence via the state so uh that's that's the whole premise of the book it's fighting the lies and giving people a you know a face to the faceless libertarian hordes that exist right right that's awesome man and uh, i guess you know because and i hate the term big tent when when People say, like, you know, whatever, the Republican Party is a big tent party or whatever. Uh, but, like, the libertarian movement, the liberty movement is kind of like a big tent movement, right? I mean, there there are people all, all the way to, like, the anarcho-capitalists, uh, all the way to, you know, more traditional conservatives. What does libertarianism mean to you? Like, how, like what's your brand of libertarianism? Because, like, me personally, I you know, I'm kind of a conservatarian, you know? Like, I kind of like that term. Like, the, the more traditional... You know, Ronald Reagan conservatives will call me a libertarian, and then you know, obviously the ANCAPs will call me a conservative because I'm not an anarchist. So, like, uh, where where, yeah. where do you fall on that spectrum? Would you say? Uh, I'm a, I'm honestly on the same boat as you. You know, when that book, The Conservatarian Manifesto by Charles C. W. Cook from National Review right. came out in 2014, right. 2015, like, like that. That's probably that book is probably the best example of my uh, core belief system because you know, and I talk about this in the book, and this has been the biggest scandal that's come out i said that anarchists can't be libertarians because here's the thing like libertarianism and anarchism are two very separate things libertarianism is based off the old uh you know western 
civilization, classical liberal views of a classical liberal government that respects the rights of the citizenry. Uh, whereas anarchism believes that, you know, there is no government. So you want to still even more uh classical liberals which is the basis of libertarianism believe that because man is fallen a man is uh you know not perfect we need a government and anarchists believe that because we are flawed people and we're flawed because of that we shouldn't have a government because why would you give a lot of force and power to people that are just as flawed as you and those are both very good arguments i don't say one is wrong or one is right but what i am saying is that those are two very different things and you know when we talk about the libertarian party for example um that's one of the reasons why i think it, it fell it kind of fell apart from the beginning when they had the dallas accords in 1976 and they had to go ahead and redraft all their right. mission statement to try and make it a quote big tent party you can't have one side that says no government and then one side that says some government because to the to the guys that say well it's just some government to the anarchists that's all government that's the that's too right, much right, so right. It's it's two very different worldviews, and and anarchists see that as like an insult. But honestly, it's like you know, as a progressive, a libertarian, as a communist, a libertarian. Like no, a libertarian is a libertarian, a progressive is a progressive, an apple is an apple. That whole thing. So it's just you know, we, we need to get our terms right when it comes to that. But you know, I'm I think uh, you know, I'm yeah. sympathetic to the anarchists only in like the utopian sense, because like there is, I I suppose something to be said that like the end result of libertarianism i guess you could say hundreds of years from now would be anarcho-capitalism and then the the natural progression of progressivism or statism would be communism and they're both communism and anarcho-capitalism are both utopian ideas and if i had to pick between the two if to live in a utopian world i would choose the anarchist utopian view oh, over the communist oh, the other way. but like that's the only like so i get that like, i get what they mean in a, the utopian sense but that doesn't help us out for where we are right now or making any progress in terms of the liberty movement obviously yeah and besides i mean utopianism is a distraction it's never going right. to get there because 100%. you know i tell people is if let's say an, anar an anarcho-capitalist have the infinity gauntlet from infinity war and they snap their fingers like thanos to eliminate all government Government. You know, you would have 30 minutes from now in your Mad Max utopia, you'd have a government. And within an hour, they would start taxing people. Right. Because the thing about utopianism is you have to first come to the belief that everyone in that situation would have the same fundamental beliefs and respect for those ideas as you do. And that would never happen. In a communist utopia, you would have libertarians that are fighting against the communists and vice versa. And uh, I mean, that's just a big that's a big issue. And, you know, the problem is when we talk about, well, what is the perfect libertarian? You know, it's not easy enough. Have to just say, oh, it's a bunch of policy decisions and it's this one fixed stance. At the end of the day, it's a worldview that says that, you know, government is inherently a threat to man because man is a threat to himself. But even beyond that, it, it comes down to an even more basic thing that you say because you don't have the answers, because you don't have full control over things, no one else does. Therefore, you need to respect the individual intrinsic rights of others. And, you know, I, I tell people, listen, you'll never find the perfect libertarian. Um, you know, in the book, I talk about some things that I believe in that are not what you would consider a locked up libertarian idea. For example, I'm totally okay with transhumanism. The idea that, you know, people can uh, you know, basically change their bodies to essentially transcend human errors. They if someone wants to cut their arm off and put on a winter soldier arm, let them do it. And then and some libertarians say, well, you know, this will lead to an inevitable class struggle and everything else because all the rich people will have all the cyborg enhancements and a whole bunch of other stuff. And my biggest thing is let them do 
that as long as the government's not forcing you to go ahead and pull out your eyeball, your eyeball to put in a robot eye or something. Another thing, another thing that, you know, gets me to ire from a lot of people is that I'm open and I'm not saying I'm supporting it, but, you know, I'm pretty 50, 50 flat on the concept of universal basic income. And I've been in situations where I've been told to argue for or, or against universal basic income because, you know, there are good things about it because what if it could eliminate the entire welfare state? I'd be okay if that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you, there, I, I would take that over the, the welfare state, certainly. Yeah. Like I would take UBI over the welfare state, but then I've also got problems with it. Like, what do you have the day after UBI? You have right. income inequality because some right. people are going to save it. Some people are going to spend it. Others are going to go burn it on hookers and blow. And then, you know, what the, the inevitable leftist question will be, well, how much more can we get? Right. And then eventually it just becomes entirely based on it. And then you've got other issues like, well, you know, that guy makes a million dollars a year. Should he allow should he be allowed to take from UBI? He doesn't need the money. He has enough. So there's so many good things or bad things against it. But, you know, as many libertarians will say, you're not even allowed to have that type of thought. You're not allowed to ask those questions. Whereas you have guys like Milton Friedman and F.A. Hayek who are like, you know, I think UBI is more better than this. And I'd be open to trying to say, hey, let's try and make it work. Work. So, oh, and another thing, you know, I'm I, I am perfectly okay with the idea of state-controlled borders. And you know, when you say that, people just right, start going so like an yeah. SJW screal, and they're screaming. They're like, "Borders are bad!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, "Listen, I, I will say, I will yeah. say, op open borders, libertarians drive me crazy." They, they, I, I, I just don't get them because that no, that's never that's never a good thing. That's never a good thing. Well, open and. and I mean, you're disregarding common sense, too. I mean, libertarianism comes from the Western civilization, more predominantly America, because we're kind of ingrained, uh, at least people that have read the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the Federalist Papers. We have, I think most Americans, at least deep down, have a little bit of a libertarian streak in them because they're Americans. And they understand yeah. that that don't tread on me, <laughs> live free or die kind of thing that, that's kind of been ingrained in us from the founding fathers and, and early America. And, you know, without borders, just letting anybody in from any culture that, that do not share those values at all, like libertarianism just would not exist. Like, it's just not it, it's not feasible, yeah. I don't think. I, I mean, yeah, the, my biggest flaw when it comes to conservatives is that they don't have the fear of government that libertarians have. So I think a right. better conservative would have a libertarian view of the state and i think the biggest flaw of libertarians is that they're so focused on radical individualism which i argue for in the book but they also need to understand you know we don't live in a void there are other people and you need to understand the importance of church organizations institutions the family right. if you don't have that you won't have room for the individual to grow learn and live and prosper so i think when libertarians have a better respect for civil society uh you know, they'll be able to get more people involved. But, you know, those are the two very big things that really separate people in that situation. And, you know, I, I've get I've gotten caught up in utopian type of arguments where it's like, well, you know, the perfect libertarian society. And it's like, no, that's it's easy to talk about what you want. It's hard to talk about what you have. Right. I, I yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. And uh, another another reason why I agree with you on the anarchy point is that anarcho-capitalists, especially recently, um, a lot of the, the leading anarcho-capitalists have kind of like conceded the fact that if they were to succeed and create a stateless society, they would have to exclude half the country pretty much. Yeah. So like, we would have to break up America, let let the left have like whatever the 
socialist United States of America or something like that, because like half the country at least would never be willing to embrace an anarchist state or a stateless state, I guess, you know, stateless society. And And I'm like, that just doesn't, that's not acceptable to, as somebody who loves my country, like I'm not, I, 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 I'm not okay with excluding half or more of the country from this utopian society or whatever. I'm like, okay, that alone kind of disqualifies the argument because I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to leave my friends and family behind in a, you know, and Kapistan or whatever. Yeah, like, like that's just not that's not acceptable to me. You know. Yeah, and it, it's the terrifying thing because you know people always talk about well in this utopia or whatever. You know, Plato's Utopia. Um, let, let's just remember how that ended. They kept segregating because that's ultimately what it led down to. It was constant segregation, and at the very end, right. it was down to one person because he tried right. to get rid of the other person. Right. It's right. it's constantly whittling things down, and that's. You know, that's one of the problems I have with Gary Johnson. The guy just wanted to, uh, you know, lead by executive fiat order constantly. <laughs> and you, mean, you can't run a system like that. And, he ran, you know, I've well, told, he ran like, an entire – real quick, sorry to cut you off, brother. But Gary Johnson, I mean, he as a as a running as a libertarian, he ran an entire campaign without mentioning the non-aggression principle once, without really men- mentioning property rights once. So I just don't view him as a libertarian at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's a bad ex- – example but that's a that's an example of somebody that thinks they know what's best for people and when you think about that what do you have you have an autocrat or a dictator um you know there was uh, a third party that popped up within the last couple of years after the 2016 election called the federalist party or the new federalist party or whatever they're calling themselves and they're essentially dead but you know I, i had some friends that were starting it up in Iowa and some other, it was always in the, you know, in the, in the caucus States for every general election. Right. That's where they were starting up because that's where they can get the most people involved and get more attention during a, a general election year. And my biggest thing was, okay, Federalist party. What if Iowa wants to ban abortion and California wants abortion on demand? And, you know, instantly someone's like, well, we're a pro-life party. I'm like, yeah, you could be pro-life, but what if California wants abortion on demand? And I, Iowa right. wants to ban it. If you want to be a good federalist, you got to let them do what they want as long as they stay within the, cons- the constitutional boundaries. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, he really likes federalism and states' rights right now? Liberals. They really like it right now. <laughs> On occasion. <laughs> On occasion. You know, when the, Repu- when the Democrats in charge, you know, it's all federal. And when it's a Republican in charge, it's all state. And, you know, it comes down to, you know, that that's what it comes down to. Federalism, federalism, Federalism is not even an ideology. Federalism is just a tool of you know, how to properly govern. And, uh, you know, it's one thing that I don't think they understood because they essentially wanted to make it a conservative party that just wasn't Republican. And right. when you do that, you know, how can you have a statement of principles when you're saying your whole thing is based off decentralization? Right. You're going to encounter a lot of problems with that. Call it the conservative party. Do, th- yeah, do I, that. I have Literally no problem do anything. with that. Yeah. Like yeah, you're, I, you're, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. Right. So do you see any use for the Libertarian Party as it is right now? I, I, I mean, I obviously we all remember the, the convention in uh, 2016 with the, the shirtless guy running around and obviously Gary Johnson, who just was a, just a I mean, I mean, his ideology is wrong. One and two, he's the worst candidate. I mean, people that say Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were the two worst candidates ever didn't follow the Gary Johnson campaign very closely. It, it um, breaks my heart, too, because Gary Johnson. Johnson 2012 was like a completely different dude. 
It's like two separate people. It's almost like oh. Trump right now. Like candidate Trump, I hated candidate Trump, but President Trump, he's probably like my favorite president other than like Coolidge right now. Oh, it's funny you say Coolidge. He's he's by far my favorite president. Oh um, yeah, like Coolidge is always number one, but Trump is doing some pretty amazing crap. Like I love him as president. I will gladly really vote is. for him in twenty twenty. I'll and gladly I, vote for him in twenty twenty. I've evolved. Well, back to Gary Johnson. It, you know, it's, when he ran for president twenty twelve, uh, he probably had the best line in debate history: the dog shit comment. If My dog that, has made more shovel ready jobs in the Obama administration. <laughs> yeah, which is just. It's savage. That is savage. Oh my gosh. And then he just runs the worst campaign. I mean, just, uh, I mean, he, he coupled the perfect co- combination of not understanding libertarianism with a complete lack of understanding of anything. <laughs> so it was like yeah. just the perfect storm. You know, what is Aleppo? All that stuff. But, uh, that, that's why I put it on the cover of my book. And I know the audience can't see us, but you and I can see each other. Like the cover of the book, I, I have them running out of Aleppo right there. <laughs> yeah, right. I noticed that. <laughs> uh, somebody knows where Aleppo is. Somebody. Uh, it's, it's funny. My, 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 I believe the greatest United States president was Calvin Coolidge, at least in the, in the 20th century, you know. I mean, you can make a case for Abe Lincoln. You can make a case for George Washington. Oh, I no, I, I could never make a case. It's Ray Blinken. That guy was a total status. I'd say my favorite president from the 19th century was probably Grover Cleveland or John Quincy Adams, one of those two. Quincy Adams was good. Abe Blinken, obviously, there was the spending habeas corpus, which was a, a... that was bad. He, he wasn't even was, he wasn't was even a pro abolitionist. And, you know, we need to remember is that, you know, John C. Fremont and I love Fremont. He was on the cover of my show back when I did my podcast, John C. Fremont. He was the first Republican presidential candidate. Ran against uh polk and buchanan i think or monroe one, one of those guys i forgot who the other one was i know one of them was polk who ran for the for the american party or right, the right. nativist party the know nothings all that stuff after he was president the first time right. and um you know the thing about lincoln was that he was you know his biggest thing you go look at his writing he's like he was like you know if we could get if i if we could either keep slavery or send them away kind of like you know what, what we have in liberia and other countries where they were formed out of slaves that escaped the united states um you know he wanted to go ahead and keep slavery essentially he wanted to phase out but he wanted to keep it he didn't just want to suspend it outright so during the civil war i think during the first year john c fremont who was a union general he took over uh i think it was missouri and as like you know the de facto elite you know ruler ruler of missouri at that point because he took over the he took over the state for the union he actually wrote a decree saying that uh um, slavery is abolished. And like, and you got to remember this is in 1860 something, you could not get a message across very fast. Right. Like within tw- 24 hours, Lincoln found out. And what he said was we're revoking um, Fremont's decision. We're discharging him from the army and give all the slaves back to their owners. And two years later, he wrote the emancipation proclamation just to break up the South just to do that and i'm not a neo-confederate i'm not a southern apologist but i am you know a a pretty factual person when it comes to lincoln he was not a good good republican even by republican standards and he was far from an abolitionist i that's true you are right about that it's it's tough like I, i i tend to judge presidents based on the moment though and i don't know if if you had a different man for the moment in that moment 
if things would have turned out as well relatively as they did. So, like, it's and it's funny, like, with right now, like, there's a, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with North Korea? Who knows what's going to happen with Iran? Um, obviously, there's these protests all across Iran uh, constantly for the last month or so. I, I mean, there's there's a serious chance that the Iranian regime could fall, um, which would be like, you know, the greatest thing to happen since the Berlin Wall fell, probably. And this Ar- would arguably. never happen under President Clinton. This would no, never happen. And, and it may not have happened under President Rubio or Cruz or, you know, Walker. And that's the thing. Like, Donald Trump is a bad guy. I'm not saying he's like a good moral person or something. Like, I wouldn't want him to be my dad <laughs> or my grandpa or something. But, like, if a lot of these things shake out the way that uh, that they could, there'd be case to be made that, like, Donald Trump is just simply the man for the moment. Like, a you know, divine providence. You know, I'm a Christian. I don't know where you are religiously. But that the fact that he may be there for a reason because he's the right man for the job at this moment. And that That's what I... I, so that's kind of how I view, and not, not, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Maybe Donald Trump will, you know, I, I've been very. I, I went, with the I went Trump to presidency. Liberty University, so I was told if you don't vote for Donald Trump, you're a bad Christian. Gotcha. Like I just got that so often while I was there, and I was a Cruz guy, and right. I, I didn't vote for Trump. Um, I voted for Evan McMullen actually because I knew he was the best liar, and he was giving me the lies I liked the most. And <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I've just come to the point where it's like you know you, you gotta judge people based off their actions and my, my biggest worry was uh you know my, my biggest mistake when it came to candidate trump was that i took him literally and i never took him seriously because right. his real supporters took him seriously and they never took him literally because yeah, we they saw they didn't give a shit they didn't give a shit yeah like looking at things in retrospect like he did what he had to do to help him win and i get it i don't like it i don't agree with it but i under understand it he had to do what was needed to win and right now we're getting the best decisions and the best people the the best outcomes we could get and you know president trump um he has won my support just based off those results he's not perfect but he's the best president of my lifetime bar none right and i agree i was born in 1989 so if i was born in 1988 i, I might not say that he was the best president of my lifetime but yeah uh, there's, there's that whole Reagan guy yeah. uh, <laughs> set the standard. But no, certainly, certainly he's the best president of of my lifetime. Uh, George H. W. Bush was not a conservative. George W. Bush was a conservative until nine eleven, and then that oh boy, <laughs> oh, that, that wrote itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the rest was history. And uh, yeah, and it's funny going back to George W. Bush. I had a conversation with my mother about this the other day. Um, the thing that a lot of conservatives really like, because we all know Donald Trump's not a conservative. Like, he's not anything. Like, he's nothing. He's just a New York billionaire. Like, he doesn't have an ideology. He doesn't have a political ideology. I don't think he cares too much about that. But he knows what his supporters want, and he'll just do it. Like, you remember George W. Bush, when he ran for president in 2000, he was apologizing for being a conservative. He said, you know, I'm, I'm, it's compassionate conservatism. Right. So he's saying like, oh, no, conservatives, they're all mean, but I'm not. I'm compassionate. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck are you apologizing? You, have to, you don't have to apologize for being a conservative. And Donald Trump doesn't apologize for anything, even when he should. So I think that's kind of part of his appeal. Like he's not going to say, oh, yeah, I'm a compassionate conservative. He's like, no, I'm going to appoint super conservative judges uh, and I'm going to cut 
my own power in the executive branch. I'm going to cut taxes. I'm not going to apologize for shit. I think that's the biggest part of his appeal, to be honest. Yeah, because nothing owns him. He's not even owned by ideology. Nothing owns him. And that, that gives him the greatest freedom ever. He's the first Ronin president we've ever had. Right. Right. Yeah, as I agree. Weird as that sounds, that's, that's, like, that's just it. Like That's just the weird thing about it. It's such a weird time to be alive because you go and listen to old episodes of my show and I was I was predicting the apocalypse. These days, I'm wearing a MAGA hat defending the guy. It's just so weird. Yeah, man, it's funny. We uh, This is episode 99 and I actually pre-recorded episode 100 the other day with uh, a very special guest I can't announce yet. But we recapped the last year and a half. We've done the show for a year and a half and um, we, we basically went through like every the first like couple months was all like doomsday shit. So we started in February 2017, like right after Trump was was sworn in. And I did vote for Trump reluctantly. I voted against him in the prime. I'm in Ohio, so it is a swing state. And yeah. if I lived in, you know, West Virginia or Texas or California or something, I probably would have voted third, voted third party. But in Ohio, I was like, okay, I know Hillary is going to be a bad president, and I'm pretty sure Trump's going to be a bad president, but I'll, you know. Hey man, I'll go. I'll go with the ten percent chance he won't. You know, so I did reluctantly yep. pull the lever for Trump. But we went through like everything we were afraid of. Like, like the when we first started the show, it was all like doom and gloom. Like, man, this could happen. That could be really bad. This could happen. Like, Trump's not going to really govern like a conservative. Man, Trump's a hothead. He's going to get us into unnecessary wars, just like Bush did. Oh, this and that. None of those things. The opposite of everything that we're afraid of has come to pass. Like nothing. Yeah. None of our predictions came true. Thank God. I know, and it's the weirdest thing because you know people people who love Trump would laugh at me, and they're like, Are, "Do you like being wrong, Remso?" And I would look at them, and I'd be like, <laughs> "I absolutely love being wrong. If that means the country succeeds and our lives are better, I love being." wrong because what would i have gotten by being right bragging rights i'm not that much of an egoist like bragging rights oh yeah everything is shit but guess what i was right how is that a good thing right it's not right and the thing is the never trump movement a lot of the never trump conservatives ben shapiro has come out and said he's strongly considering and will probably vote for donald trump in 2020 Oh, Jonah, Glenn Beck, too. Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck wore a MAGA hat on his program. I mean, that hell also froze over, and the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. So, Hey, man, yeah. Cubs won the World <laughs> Series. Right. Shit's getting weird. Jonah Goldberg said on, on his show the other day that uh, if he lived in Ohio or Michigan or Pennsylvania, he probably would have voted for Donald Trump and that he's considering it. next. That's Jonah Goldberg. Which I love Jonah, but he was, you know, one of the staunchest anti-Trump guys on the right. It makes the people like Bill Kristol and some of these guys that are still just constantly hammering everything Trump does. It, it's it, it. I used to really, really appreciate Bill Kristol. He, he's really looking like a fool right now. A lot of these guys that are just holding out, I, yeah. I just don't get it. Like, is it just pride? Is it ego? I, I think. Now, I mean, here's here's the biggest thing I discovered. Like, it's not good enough to be anti to be never Trump. You had to be pro liberty. And when you're a pro liberty guy or gal, like you're gonna make weird alliances and you're gonna ha take strange stances on things because you don't look right. at things as in, well, is it just that I don't like the person or do I just not like the situation? You have to see things in their uh, existential form, which is, is this better? Is this freer? Right. Is this the right choice, regardless? 
regardless of the time or the person, is this the right thing? Has Trump made bad decisions, made anti-liberty decisions? Yes. Jeff Sessions, all I need to say. Right. Has he made good liberty decisions? Absolutely. Neil Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch. Uh, the tax cuts. I got money back. I never I never anticipated that. Um, Absolutely. You know, my, he's, my, my he's tax allowed... return was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like the, the guy might seriously legalize marijuana. God bless him. If he does that, he's winning every state. Wait, 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 every so you state. said it's not legal now? Marijuana? Not that I would, not that I would ever break the law or anything. Oh, no. You, you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, move, move but, but, yeah, like the guy might just might just say, screw it. Legalize it. Just do it now. It'll Legalize. be wonderful. Beautiful. Like be if beautiful. he does that, how is California going to vote? How is California going to vote? I don't know. They'll call him a Nazi. They'll say Hitler loved weed. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't really. They'll, they'll come up with something. Marijuana is a racist drug. <laughs> Yeah, like right. Look, as as a libertarian, is is there any utility for the libertarian party? Because obviously, look. Yeah. I, I I mean I don't know. I like it's it sucks. Obviously, we do need third parties. We do need smaller parties. But I mean, the, the libertarians in government, there are elected libertarians. I've had some on the show, but um, you know, the Ron Paul, Rand Paul method seems to make a lot more sense my, my friend austin peterson who's been on the show a handful of times he's running for the united states senate in missouri you know he, he knew he wasn't getting gonna get anywhere in the libertarian party and so he, he was running as a republican I, I feel like that makes a lot more sense to me right now than running as a libertarian at least in most cases I'm, i just don't I, know pretty, if they have the infrastructure yeah. to make anything happen so i i consider like the for for me I think that agorism is the best thing. Just try and live your own life as freely as possible. Make the state irrelevant. But in, in terms of like the party process, like, you know, full disclosure, like I'm a Republican. I was a libertarian. I was a member of the state party. I, I worked on campaigns. I did stuff. But, you know, as of right now, I'm a, I'm a Republican, part of my local Republican committee and stuff. And it's not because I have yeah. a it's not like I have a fetish for elephants or anything. I don't even like most of them. And this isn't a secret. Right. They just know I don't. But, you know, I, I don't I don't tell people because I have people ask me this thing all the time. And, you know, here's here's my thing. I know where my time and energy is better spent and it's not in the Libertarian Party. But I know people who could never work or be part of the Republican Party. So their time is best spent in the Libertarian Party. My biggest thing is this. If you're getting if you feel like you were making the best difference, the biggest change in what you were doing and what you enjoy doing mainly you will go ahead and you will do great things and that is where you need to be because i don't think there's a solid answer to that uh in the book i actually do talk about this quite a bit like uh, um you know I, I talk about the idea of vote stealing or wasted campaigns you know what's an effective right. campaign versus an educational campaign and do they have a place i view it more as you know always always look at the individual and the ideas over the party because i don't believe in the wasted vote the wasted vote is, is voting for somebody you don't believe in and right. you know when when and you say, is there any real purpose to the Libertarian Party? I would, I would, you know, I'd throw that back at you. Is there really a point to the Republican Party? Down I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> here, here's here's a big indicator. Like, here's a big indicator. I managed a city council race uh, just this year, and he was the endorsed Republican nominee. There were seven people running for city council for three open at-large seats. And there were two Democrats that were running who were endorsed by the Democratic Party. No. None of the party endorsed candidates won. 
Wow. Oh, that's that's None incredible. That. Yeah. And you see this more local in local politics where things are a lot more or less partisan to a degree, but like none of them won. Not, my Republican did not win. The two Democrats did not win. People are rejecting the parties because what they understand is that that's not good enough anymore. That wholesale crap is just not going to sell for a lot of people. And honestly, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Totally okay with that. That's why I've always been the supporter of ranked choice voting because what that forces people to do is that forces them to actually form coalitions, that forces them to actually engage with their constituency. And what that does is that allows for more shakeup. Right. And if there's one thing I could say about Donald Trump is that, you know, he if there's one thing that I do think he was needed for, it's that we definitely needed a shakeup because politics will never be the same again. Good, bad, or indifferent. But I'm okay with that because what I do know is that the old order was a failure. Yeah. I mean it's hard to hard to argue with that. Yeah, I think, so I think I think the biggest answer to that is honestly it lies within every individual listening. They have to answer that question themselves. Right. And it just lies within the, the merits of the candidates too. Uh you can't if you're running Gary Johnson, your future isn't gonna be very bright. You know, it is yeah, it's tough. And uh, you know, my perspective I've I've lived in Ohio my whole life, which is just you know, as purple a state as, as there is. So it's it's tough. It's tougher for me to see merits in 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 third parties being in Ohio because everything is so close. Every election is within a couple points when it, you know, with governor races, with with senatorial races and with presidential elections, everything's so close. So I'm like, man, as as libertarian as I am, it, I hate seeing, you know, because libertarians do pull disproportionately from Republicans. Uh, in terms of especially presidential races, and I mean Democrats blame the Green Party a lot, but I mean they haven't been relevant in a long time. So, hey, that, that's something you know. I've been told. Like uh, I mainly worked in Virginia politics mainly because I live here, but you know I, I've been told by I was told by a guy when I was working for a Libertarian candidate. He was I knocked on his door and he opened up and there was a Wiz Khalifa 2016 shirt with a giant pot leaf <laughs> on it. He said he would never vote for a Libertarian because Libertarians steal votes from Democrats so Republicans can win. He's the only person I've ever heard say that. It was always Libertarians pull votes from Republicans to make Democrats win. That whole situation does not make sense. The shirt, it, it does. the statement, all of it is just... I was like, flabbergasted. I almost feel like you're making that up. Like You just put a bunch of words into a blender and just <laughs> shut it out. It's always, I don't vote for Libertarians because... Guys, let me lift this out. You steal votes from, let me lift this out, Republicans. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? I know. I know. All right, before I let you go, let's talk yeah. a little bit about like news of the day. Uh, talk a little bit about the Supreme Court. Donald Trump is announcing his his nominee for to replace uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy on July 9th, which, honest to God, I just hope LeBron James announces who he's signing with and Donald Trump announces his SCOTUS pick as soon as possible so the internet can talk about something else. I mean, can they just both, like, do a joint press conference and get it over with, like, right now? LeBron, please come out. Who's your replacement? Everyone wants to know yours more than mine. <laughs> or they just have, maybe just, like, Trump announces that LeBron's staying in Cleveland and then, you know, <laughs> LeBron announces the SCOTUS pick, something like that. The new uh, SCOTUS pick is... <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James... Is going to Los Angeles. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be tremendous. Tr believe me, believe me. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm no I'm no judicial expert by any any means, but I have read through the list that the Trump administration's had um, for a couple years now, 
and it's a list of 25 names. And like like I said, I, from what I've read on most of them, most of them seem very solid. Um, like I said, I'm no judicial expert, but I, I tend to lean towards um, obviously Senator Mike Lee would be tremendous. It would suck to lose him in the Senate, but he he would be great. And then uh, Amy Coney Barrett also, who I believe is a, a judge on the the Sixth Circuit, I think. I believe the Sixth Circuit. Um, they they seem to be kind of like those are the names that jumped off the page for me. Uh, any any anyone else who you think would be a a, a great pick? Um, I don't know what do you th- I, I'm I'm pretty impressed with like the list of judges they've released so far that they're they're gonna choose. From. I and the, these are you know I'm gonna disappoint people because these these everyone just knows none of the people I think would be great would ever get picked or even considered. But honestly, like I I would say Ted Cruz over Mike Lee. Only because he'd be, Mike he'd be Lee, great too. yeah, yeah, like I'd say Mike, I'd say Ted Cruz, but honestly, from a more like like the, I have a bigger argument for my next guy, which is uh, Dr. Randy Barnett from Georgetown Law. He's the author of uh, Restoring Our Lost Constitution, which was praised by Senator Mike Lee, who wrote his uh, next his his book, like you know, like Saving the Lost Constitution or something like that. It was basically right, right. play on Barnett's book. Yeah. But Randy Barnett is one of the, the foremost legal libertarian scholars in our country. He was on the short list for Gary Johnson in 2016. He, I think he would make an excellent pick. He's constantly fought for, for civil liberties throughout um, the last three decades. And he's on the board of the Convention of States. Like you want like if I had to pick like my pick, if I were the president, and I had to pick somebody. I would pick Randy Barnett from Georgetown Law because there's no one like Mike Lee looks up to Randy Barnett. Right. And he's still relatively young. Like he's in his 60s, like er, like late 60s. You get a good two decades out of the guy. And oh, what I you want have, somebody I want yeah. somebody in their 40s, man. Just you know, a, I had, just I had a, a thumb in the eye of the left. I had I put a 30 year old on there. He said that like, <laughs> like, here's the thing, though, like when you find me a guy like that, I'll be game. But those guys don't exist. And if they do exist, I don't know where they are. You're absolutely right. I mean, you're absolutely right. But there's just something beautiful about if we just put a 36-year-old on the Supreme Court just watching the left just, no! (laughs) I want to know what's keeping RBG alive because that chick just looks like death. I think she honestly died about 15 years ago. Because you look at her and she just, like, her eyes aren't open. Like, she looks like she's been dead. And it's like, you know, weekend at Bernie's. She falls asleep at every state of the union, and it's usually early. It's usually like fifteen minutes in. As she's she sits snoozing. down, I don't get it. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, she's gonna hang on. She she will serve until she dies. I I don't see her ever stepping down, unless you know. Oh God yeah, forbid, she said some kind of said that too. She said that too. Diagnosis or something. Yeah, I don't know. I oof. She it, could it, have Alzheimer's, and the left will still say, "How dare you discriminate against someone with Alzheimer's?" Yeah, your disability. They would still pull that, that shit. They would still pull that. I know. So at, when, with Kennedy retiring, the two oldest members of Supreme Court are Ginsburg and um, shoot, who's the other one? It's the other Thomas. Oh, right. not Thomas. No, no, no. Thomas is, I think, he's in his early seventies. One of the yeah. Leftists, Thomas is not the oldest. Yeah, there, there's another one that's about to turn eighty, I believe. But he's he's a he's a liberal. So it's yeah. it's interesting, man, and it, especially if President Trump is reelected in 2020. This look, you know, getting you know Barrett or Mike Lee or or anybody a solid constitutionalist originalist on the court is not necessarily going to change the Supreme Court very much. It'll solidify the five four conservative majority. Mm-hmm. Then again, Justice Roberts might kind of take Kennedy's place as the swing vote, like he did 
vote in favor of Obamacare. And he kind of mm-hmm. rewrote Obamacare, actually, to, to make it, in his mind, more constitutional, something like that. So I don't think it's going to be – like, I am celebrating. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's a great thing. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a game changer if we can replace another one and make it a solid 6-3 majority. That could honestly change the game, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Who, who's your, who do you think Trump's going to pick uh, off of that Lee. list? Like, really? Totally Lee. You think he's going to go with a senator? Yeah. The guy does stuff that we don't predict all the time. Why not? You're right. Well, I was just about to say, hey, I don't think that's happened since like the 60s. But Trump does say uh, fuck it and does stuff that presidents don't usually do. So he's not one. Absolutely. (laughs) So no, you might be right, man. You might be right. Remso Martinez, author of the new book. Stay away from the libertarians. Where can everybody get the book? Where can everybody find you online? Get the book on Amazon and Kindle and print. Do it and, now. Yeah, do it now. Promo it's code cheap. No Gimmicks. It's fun. You don't, actually, you don't get any money off <laughs> if you use that promo code. But uh, you know, you should do it anyway. Appreciate it, man. It, I can't wait to. I can't wait to read it. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you on very soon, my friend. Uh, Appreciate it. Anytime. Everybody, everybody, follow Remzo on Twitter. He's a good Twitter follow as well. For Remzo Martinez, I am Brady Leonard. I will be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Oh, 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 oh,